We have a very special treat this morning. The Eubank family is here with us. Dave, Karen, Sue, Sahaley, and Peter, let's give it up for them. They are our ministry partners from Burma, Thailand, Iraq, Syria, Sudan. If you are unfamiliar with them, don't get too comfortable because Dave is about to come and share a word that he has from his heart. So if we can all just open up our eyes, open up our hearts for what he's gonna share with us. And we're gonna close our time together with a blessing for the Eubank family and with a blessing for all the nations. If you are able to turn around and you can see all those flags uh, up there. Those are all representative of our ministry partners all over the world. This is a house of prayer for all nations. And we are honored to partner with them in ministry. And we are honored to have the Eubank family here with us. So I have a quick clip, um, but you know, I didn't greet guests. I need to do that. If you're a guest, welcome. It's really good to have you here. Feel no pressure, make yourself at home. If you want to get connected, you can pull out your phone. If you're online and you're checking us out, pull out your phone, ccc.guide is a website and you can get connected there. Give us all your information, maybe not all, but however much you wanna give us and, and we'll reach out to you and do our best to connect you to all that God is doing through Cypress Creek Church. Lots of exciting things, including don't, just leave today after the service because we're celebrating another baptism this morning. And next week we're celebrating another baptism and I don't think we're done. So if you are ready to make that decision, that commitment, here's an encouragement. Baptism is not the end. You don't arrive to baptism. Baptism is the beginning of our faith. You don't need to qualify for anything. All you need to do is say yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And then you are baptized as a symbol of what God is doing inside. And it's an outward symbol of an inward reality. So if you haven't been baptized, reach out to a pastor or community group leader and let's get this uh, party, baptism party going. So without further ado, Eubank family video, and then let's give them a, a round of applause. Here we go. There's no promise of justice on this world. There's no promise of a safe way out. In fact, we're all gonna die. And so the question is, how are we going to live? The small band of volunteers risking their lives to help victims that are caught on the front lines of the war on terror. We're in ISIS territory, surrounded by them. Where's my role? I want to be where I'm most needed. And I feel that's where people are being attacked when they're in trouble. As a mom, I used to call my vocation fear management. I feel God saying, as crazy as it seems, this is the path I have for you. Lord, should I do something? Can I do something? I just felt go. Evil will not triumph. Welcome Dave, Karen, Sue, Sahaley, and Peter up on the stage. Welcome, welcome. Can we pray and can we bless them? Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the Eubank family and we pray your blessing over them in Jesus' name. We thank you for the word that you've given Dave and we thank you for the testimony that this family embodies. We are grateful and honored that they are here. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. Good morning, and what a gift it is to be here. This is family, like I say every time we come, and whatever you saw up there, I hope that you own it as your own, because it's the prayers you've given us for so many years through all the stories you've heard us talk about that are really your testimony of walking through that with us. You all should be superimposed behind there, going through as prayer warriors through every single miracle. Um, the message of encouragement I feel God wanted me to share this year came after our Burma trip in May. And we were there in the rainy season, meaning that villagers were planting rice seedlings in their little dirt fields. And it was a beautiful, idyllic scene. But up on the hilltop, about 400 yards away, is a Burma army base. And they shoot into those fields to dominate those villagers and to drive the villagers out. But they come back. They're irrepressible. They won't give up. And this is the good thing God has given them, is this life, this field, this a way of life to feed their families, and they will not be pushed back by that threat. And I saw that scene, and it was just such an encouragement. Like we read in Galatians, it says, do not grow weary in doing good, for in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. And so for all of us, whatever threats are out there, um, normal life or other things, that God has given you something good to go forward towards. So let's continue to go forward towards the good things God has given us, and let him take care of all these issues that are too complicated for us. But thank you for welcoming and celebrating our time together uh, as we do every year. We always look forward to this. So thank you. Hi, my name is Sahaley. I am 20 years old. And in... Today. <laughs> yeah. In Burma, I help my sister lead the horse and mule teams because we don't have roads, so we just use horses. And in Iraq and Kurdistan, I'm an assistant dentist and attempt to drive the ambulance. And this dress is from Karen State, Burma, one of the ethnic groups we work with inside of Burma. And I just want to say thank you all for having us back. It really does feel like a second home, partially because Texas heat and Thailand heat are about the same. But yeah, thank you so much. Oh, yes. Uh, I'm a freshman at Texas A&M University and going in for nursing. Whoop! Hi, my name is Suzanne. I'm 18 years old. This dress is from Iraq. It is an Arab-style dress. In the Middle East, I help my mom with her kids' programs and the food and water distributions. And in Burma, I help lead the horse and meal teams. And I am also a freshman at Texas A&M, majoring in animal science. Hello, my name is Peter Eubank. I am 14 years old, and on the mission trips in Burma, I help my sisters lead the horse and mule teams. And in Iraq and Syria, I help with my mom's kid distribution, kid, oh, sorry, kids program, and food and water distribution. And I'm wearing a traditional outfit from Iraq and Syria. It's what the men wear. It's called a dish dashi. Hang on, Pete. So, at the first service, we did something we've never done before, and. And then I asked Jose, can I do it? Should I do it again? I don't need to do it. I, I was praying at the end. Did I make a mistake? Because I make a lot of mistakes. But the coolest thing about mistakes, there's a small divergence, is Jesus forgives us. Oh, my goodness. And he, his supernatural power changes us. So in the Middle East, you know, first there's God. He made the world, gave us freedom. Doesn't force us to do nothing. And then we didn't handle that very well. He sends Jesus and who's still with us, still present with us to help us. But there's other views of God and other ways of approaching God. 
And one of them is Islam, which came after, uh, after Jesus. And Muhammad knew of the creator God. <clears throat> they call him Allah. I guess the Hebrew people call him Yahweh or they can't pronounce it, something in there. And then we call him God. In Thailand, he's called Prachau. And in Wa, the Wa language of Northern Burma, they call him Sie. Sie means 100. That's the biggest number in their counting system. So that's God. They call him 100. So whatever name we call upon God, we know who we're talking about, the God of love. With Islam, it's, it stops with Muhammad, and they're still waiting. They believe in Jesus, but he's a prophet. So they have a call to prayer in Muslim countries. And the, the, the words are, God is great. And I remember in the Battle of Mosul when it started and we got involved, an Iraqi general said, how did you get here and who sent you? And I said, God did, Allah did. And he goes, how did you know? How do you know when, when God speaks to you? He didn't say, oh, it's a bunch of baloney, you're crazy. No. What I love about the Muslim countries we work in, mostly we're in Burma. We have 100 plus teams in Burma. We also are working in Iraq and Syria and Kurdistan is they really believe in God. If you walked into any gathering, 99% will say there is a God and I'm not that. That's a great place to start. And I have to confess that when I, I was an American soldier, I was a ranger in 2nd Ranger Battalion and then 1st Special Forces Group as an officer. Iraq was our enemy. And besides that, I didn't think much of them anyway. I had my own prejudice about who the Arabs are and who the Muslims are. And until I went and God connected us in the Battle of Mosul, which was against ISIS. And here I am with the Rockies that I'd made fun of. And I had to confess and repent of that. And I found out these, they're not the same as us. They aren't. They do things different. But man, they are brave. And they died not just for their friends, but even for the children of their enemies, for ISIS children. They'd run out in the street as ISIS is shooting and they'd rescue kids and get killed. That's the kids of their enemy. That's a lot of love. And so I... I, I had two gifts when I left the Battle of Mosul. We left, we all go together. One was to love the Iraqi people. The second was to know the difference between justice and revenge, and the difference is love. And God taught that to me, and teaching was not enough. Jesus' own spirit healed me. That's who we serve, the supernatural power of Jesus. So I would have Pete, because you're hearing this Alu Akbar all the time, God is great. So I have another confession, which I just told Jose, which I did not think about till today. So I asked Pete at the first service to sing that call to prayer, which is a call to saying God is great. I used to have him do that out in the desert as a joke, making fun, because ISIS says the same thing. ISIS says, I remember in the streets of, of Mosul in one particular time, it's not in the film very much because no one was shooting because they were shooting real bullets. ISIS came around the corner yelling, Alu Akbar, God is great. And the guy's eyes are like gleaming. He's laughing because I'm facing the wrong way. He shot me, shot my friend six times. God helped us win. But, I mean physically win. The souls are in God's hands. And so I made fun of that word. And then when, we, when I had Pete sing it today, I thought, who are you making fun of? You were making fun of ISIS and radical Muslims. But what words were you using to make fun of them? God is great. Man, you're in trouble, Dave. Just because it's a different language. I'm using God's name in vain. I didn't even know it till right now. I was like, what's wrong with me? What is wrong with me? And 
Jesus, help. And so I think our whole lives are a progression of, Lord Jesus, what's wrong with me? I can't believe I made fun of these people and I serve them. I'm willing to die for them. And I still have little walls up of what I understand and think I understand. So I want to confess that to y'all and confess that to God and say, I'm so sorry for using your name in vain and making light of it. Um, We all have different ways of approaching God. I only know of one way to get there. That's Jesus. And he changes me. So I want Pete to sing the call to prayer that you'll hear if you're in a Muslim country. And it's a call that says, God is the greatest. It means I'm not. And I remember before you do that, I was with the Iraqi army the very first day I'm with them. And I'm going to pray. I'm trying to impress them that we're scored away relief organization. And I'm going to pray. And God says, get on your knees. And I know his voice. I'm like, oh, no. Christian nutcase on my knees in front of these guys. Hey, man, are you afraid of me? Are you afraid of them? Okay, God, I'm afraid of you. So I get on my knees and I pray. When I get up in English, the Iraqi general, there was no translator, says, sue my translator. There's no translator of the prayer. He says, I don't know what you said, but we saw you fear God like we do. We saw, we didn't know Americans believed in God. That's what he said. We didn't know Americans still believed in God, but you do. So I give you my country, go wherever you want. And that was the beginning of our relationship. And when we left the Battle of Mosul, General Mustafa said, go to America and tell them how much we love you. Please love us. And thank you for showing us what it means to follow Jesus. So Pete, can you do the call to prayer? Thanks. Good job. And Pete, I'm sorry. This guy's a stud. I, I mean, he's, he's the youngest guy to climb the Grand Teton, Mount Rainier at six. He's got all kinds of buckles for riding bulls and steers. He's a stud. But he's a obedient stud, and it's my sin that I had him singing that stuff. That's what happens, right? The kid trusts the dad, because the dad is probably, in our experience, I'm usually right about things, so in case he follows me. But then you throw in something a little wrong, and the kid won't know until a certain time. So that's my sin. So I thank God I confess it to you all, and I apologize, Pete, and thanks for singing it right. Amen. So you're going to give me a five-minute, please? Like, okay. So we, we, we work in Burma. It's our main effort still. We have over 100 relief teams. These are four to five person, men or women, teams that work in the conflict areas. Burma's 70 years of civil war. So our five people teams are there to give help. That's mostly medical and food and shelter and hope. You're not forgotten and love. God loves you. And if we got no medicine, no money, we're going to stand with you. Or we're going to run away with you, but we're not going to leave you. And after almost 20 years of working in Burma, when ISIS came up in the Middle East, we were asked by friends, hey, you guys don't have any safety rules. Why don't you come over here? Bring your medics and your videographers and others from Burma. These are Asians some who've never got on an airplane, and we got to find passports, and that's a whole thing. They're, not even, they're illegal in their own country. They don't even have IDs. So get them and bring them to the Middle East and help. And that's what we've been doing. So now we have work in Syria. We have a team there right now. In Syria, we're rebuilding churches and working with a, the, the emergent church, which is tiny, and feeding anybody, which is mostly Muslims. 
We also work in Iraq, in northern Iraq, which is called Kurdistan, in Sudan sometimes, and still main efforts Burma, and our home's in Thailand, and we kind of go here and there. And before we came here, we came here to put our girls to see y'all, and we, I love all of y'all. Some of you I know, some of you I don't, but I love you, and that's God's gift. And I'm just amazed, you know, to me, the greatest thing of America is the church, for sure. The second greatest thing, this is my opinion, in this order, is the beauty and diversity of the country. The third thing is our form of government, which is, you know, is, up, is, is a toss-up. But in the fourth of, on the 4th of July, I was home for the first time in 10 years, because I'm usually in some jungle somewhere. And the girls painted their horses red, white, and blue. They rode out with American, they like Indians. They rode out with American flags. We, we, sang, the, we sang the Star Spangled Banner. We did, the, did this, did that. My mom and dad, my dad are still there. He's 91. Mom is 88. And they've been there 60 years. They're missionaries. They've been here many times. They said a prayer. We're going to play American football afterwards. It's a full-on American deal in Thailand. But about 40 of the people in that group were not from America. So I wanted to describe the national anthem before. And I said, you know who wrote this song? Francis Scott Key. Who's he? He's a prisoner on a ship. Whose ship? The British Navy, the most powerful force in the world. He's their prisoner. He's done. And they are bombarding this tiny little colony. And he wonders if in the morning that flag will still be there. And it reminds me, we're in the same situation and every generation is, whether it looks like that or not. America is just people. It's what we make it. It's not a God or an idol. It just sat up there or you did the work. Okay, it's good. Leave it. It's always, we're always on the deck of this ship wondering, is it going to be a flag tomorrow? But we do not need to be afraid. God is with us. He's going to show us how to do it. And we're a family. We're all a family, whether you like it or not. And I was thinking, did I choose my sisters? Nope. Did I choose my mom and dad? Nope. I ch we chose to have kids. We had no idea what they're going to be like. And so in our own families, you, never, you don't get to choose. But you have a choice to love them or not, respect them or not. And in America, we are a family. We have no choice. Black, white, brown, Republican, Democrat, in the middle, whatever. We may go, my God, why am I in this family? Well, you're in it. You know, mental health is reality at all costs. We are in it. And so what do you do? I think the first thing, Jesus, help me be, help me follow you. Please take the log out of my own eye so that I can help take the speck. It doesn't say take the log out of your own eye and do nothing and meditate. It's so that you can help your brother, your sister, take that speck out of their eye. They got to want it too. But there's no way I can see how to fix anyone's sin or lead them in any help if I'm cluttered myself. And I found when I'm in an argument, if I just stop and say, Jesus, show me my sin, it's like, oh my gosh, there's like 10 things that are happening that is wrong with me that have nothing to do with the argument. When I'm done confessing, I'm like, I've shrunk about a foot and I'm back to my real size, not my imaginary size. And now from that position, which is humility, because you've been humbled, you can actually do something. God can heal through you. He can work. If they say no, okay, you don't have to do anything. So take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of someone else's. And then I was asking God, what do I do when I come to America? What am I going to say? And he, God gave me these things. One, God is bigger than every problem and always is. Amen. Jesus is the answer to every problem. Keep praising him. Through praise, you're going to find a way. The second one was what I just said. Take the log out of your own eye before you take the speck out of someone else's. The third one was stay in your lane. 
Only do and say what Jesus has you do and say. I have a friend who's an ER doc in New York. In the height of COVID, her response and her life <clears throat> was very different than mine in the jungles of Burma. They don't have to be the same. Very different. We had different jobs. Jesus, what do you want me to say and do? So as I come to America, for me, it's anything I'm faced, whether I think I'm right or wrong or this or that, it's what do you want me to do? And if he says, if he doesn't tell you to say it or do it, don't do it. Because you can. Like an Australian friend of mine, he's a missionary. I was praying about a course of action. He said, Dave, it's a good idea or it's a God idea. <laughs> if it's a good idea, you get to pay for it. I was like, oh, I can't afford that. <laughs> and I know my good ideas, which God lets us do, sometimes work out. And if they do, you get like one thing and you pay a lot. But when it's God's idea, you get the thing you wanted times 10, times 1,000, times a million for eternity, and he pays for it. And so only do what he tells you to do. But then remember, when he tells you to say something that you might lose all your friends or your job or whatever you think you're gonna lose or your life, remember, he's with you. He never says, go do that, good luck. No, go do that, I'm with you. Have I not told you, do not be afraid, I'm with you. And so, that, and as I came back to the States, we were climbing up in the Pacific Northwest and one of my, our webmaster for our website says, Dave, as we came down the mountain, God gave me this word. I don't know where it is in the Bible. I can't, it's a strange construct of sentences. And then he looked it up, it was Isaiah 8, 12. And he said, Dave, this is for you. So he gave it to me and I just share it to you as he gave it to me. I don't know if it's for you or not or how you're gonna interpret it is between you and God. And these are the words of Isaiah 8, 12. Do not fear what this people fears. Do not call it a conspiracy. Do not dread what they dread. Maybe that's not for you. Maybe you'll interpret it differently than me. That's between you and God. The way I interpreted it was, don't get in the swirl, man. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Second, don't call it a conspiracy, meaning, don't imagine why this is happening because this group doesn't like this group. That's obvious. People don't like people. But it may be a lot bigger than a conspiracy. It may be something more powerful. You don't know. But what you do know is God is bigger. And Satan would like nothing better than we would all kill each other. And if he can't have that, let's, hate, let's let them hate each other. When we were praying once for Burma, this woman said, I have a vision of Burma. And she said, over Burma is this black evil thing that's scary to look at, like a big demonic spirit. And she said, oh, wow, that's scary. And it looked down at the people of Burma and it didn't care who won. Karen, that's a tribe. Sean, Wa, Burman, let them kill each other. All I want is blood. Let them kill each other. And as the people looked up, they were not afraid. And, and this lady said, how can they not be afraid? Because they don't see what it really is. They don't see what it really is. And it wants their destruction. So to me, that interpretation for me meant do not get in that swirl. Pray for everyone on every side. Work for love and tell the truth. If you don't respect someone's decision, you don't have to say anything, but don't tell a lie. Say, well, I respect that. No, you don't. You're going to turn around and tell your wife, that guy's an idiot. <laughs> so we, you don't have to say you, you don't respect. You don't have to say nothing, but you don't tell a lie. So if you find someone saying or doing something that you really don't respect, we don't really know who's right or wrong, then you don't have to say anything. 
but you have to respect them. And there's a big difference between respecting a person and what they do. You know, we're told not to sin, and we sin. Does that mean God doesn't respect us? No, he respects us. He loves us enough to die for us. There's no greater respect than to die for somebody. And we have to be willing to die for each other. In John 15, 13, greater love with no man than this, he laid down his life for his friends. You die for someone because you respect them. But let's not pretend to respect ideas we don't respect. And sometimes you may not even have an argument because you'll say nothing. But at least you're speaking the truth to each other with respect. Everyone is made in the image of God. And when we disrespect them, like I disrespected the Arabs by having Pete sing this song, God doesn't like that. And it doesn't make me any stronger. I'm wrong. I thank God he's patient. You know, we had a, just had a board meeting and everybody had a devotion every day. And the theme was patient endurance. Patience, endurance. So when, so when we're here, I just thank God. I'm, I'm, a, I'm pretty much a, a weenie. He hasn't got me any big problems. I'm just kind of going around from rodeo to rodeo, climbers to climbers. Now I'm at A&M, which is like the biggest Christian, non-Christian school in the world. And um, as, as outsiders called it a cult. And you know what's funny? When you call it a cult to the Aggies, they don't even argue. So you know, like, whoa, man. I went there, though. My dad went there. My granddad went there. My kids. I said, man, there's mountains in Colorado. There's oceans in Washington State. They're like, nope, come in here. But it's been wonderful. So right before we came here, we were in Syria and responding to a disaster. And the disaster was one I had not faced before because the U.S. government was working with the Kurds in northeast Syria to fight ISIS for all these years, like seven years now. And the Kurds were the only effective force fighting ISIS. And we said, okay, we'll work together. The Kurds lost 14,000 men and, and some women fighting ISIS. We've lost a few. I mean, we, I think by, up until last year it was four. It's a little more now. And they paid the price, and we gave the bombs. It was a fair deal. Then Turkey, looking down at Syria and the Kurds, says, hey, the Kurds are too strong. America, get out of there. We're going to smack them. America said, no, 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 we're not going to retreat. They're our friends, and they're fighting ISIS, and we're not going to break our word. No, 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 you got to do it. We're going to come in and invade. So the Americans said, okay, let's make a deal. Let's let the Kurds pull back from the border, give up their own land. Try that in America. We wouldn't do it give up their own land, take their heavy weapons out, bulldoze their bunkers and their trenches which they spent four years digging. And then American observers will be in the middle and the, the Kurds will be in the back and that's the deal. And the Turks said, okay. And, then, and, the, and, the Turk, and the Kurds said, oh, are you really gonna do that? Are you gonna leave us in the lurch? And we told them, this is public. You can look back at any news source or you can look back at the words of our leadership itself because you can't always trust news. Yeah, 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 of course we're going to stand with you. We wouldn't make you pull back and leave you. And we did. October the 9th, due to pressure from the Turks and a lack of keeping a promise on our side, I'm an American too, the American troops at midnight, why midnight? Pulled out. Four o'clock in the afternoon, October the 9th, the Turks invaded. And it was a slaughter. And the people fell back. And women were bringing their dead babies up to the retreating American troops who had fell back 30 kilometers saying, don't our lives count? I had grown men crying to me and said, you couldn't do this to a dog in America. You made us pull back and then you let them in? At least you could have told us you're not gonna do this. We would have never pulled back. And this guy was crying and he said, America, we had you on our head. We had you in our eyes. We had you in our heart. We paid the price of blood on the ground. You didn't, but it was okay. 
You have your job, we have our job, but then you did this to us. It was a great betrayal, and it, I cried every day I was there. I, I've never been wounded in my soul as much as that. And I thought, I felt sorry, for, I felt afraid for my country. What's God gonna do to us? When I read about Israel doing stuff like this, it's not good. So I was like, oh my gosh. And anger grew up in me. And I, we stood, with the, we stood with, the, with the Kurds and we fell back with the Kurds and a lot of fighting, a lot of dying. And we're, because it wasn't just the Turkish army. They got a bunch of ex-ISIS guys. They called them the Free Syrian Army and the Syrian National Army. We knew they were ISIS because they had the black flag. They took it down and switched for the Free Syrian Army flag, like right now. And here they come with the Turks behind them. The Turks, I don't think, like ISIS, but they're using them. Wow, I'm facing these guys again. It was like a nightmare. And then the Russians saw a chance, they came in. And the Syrian army came in. And the Iranians came up. It was like the worst. Even if you were immoral and didn't care about keeping promises, it was a bad idea. So here it is, chaos. I'm in the middle of it with my team from Burma. As this fighting is going on, we're retreating and treating wounded and retreating and treating wounded and evacuating civilians. And Zhao Sang is our videographer. Because in, in our teams, we have a, people who do medical work. We have people who capture what's happening. And we want to tell the story, like you saw that video. That's not professional cameramen. That's our guys running around the camera everywhere because we want the victims to know their stories told. And we want the world to know what's happening. That's our little job. Zhao Sang, Kachin, from northern Burma, amazing guy, is one of my video men. And he was a super athlete, much better than me, my shape, my size, but stronger and faster and better at everything and a real wise guy. If I said, we're going to do this, and it was a bad idea, he'd go, good idea, sir. And one of those kind of guys. And he filmed everything, not fearless, but overcame fear all the time to help people. Well, he just shot a film that we, we rescued people from a bunch of tanks shooting at us, and he was running along filming it. He was editing it. He got done. He gives it to me. I'm, I get in the armored vehicle to transfer it to my phone. He steps out to take a break and sits by the rear wheel well. There's shooting going on constantly. And so we're in a position where we're a couple hundred yards from where the very front is, where we can see where the wounded are, and we can go get them. So that means that the mortar shells and artillery are landing around us, and we keep moving our vehicles as they're hitting around us, trying to stay alive and stay close enough to help and not run, because we won't run if people can't run. Bang, this round comes in right behind us. We think it's a Turkish drone. It hits and blows up, and a round goes through Zal's brain right here. Goes in here, comes out here. Another one through his heart, I mean through his neck, a big core, like that big, out of his neck. Both of those are pretty much instant death. And then one through his back. And I look, two of my guys are back. I, I was completely untouched just because I just stepped in the vehicle. I stepped out, two of my guys are wounded, one in the rear end, a guy named Jason we just baptized, and then Muhammad. If you saw the FBR movie, he's the guy that goes, oh, this very big, God sent us, you know, that guy. Great guy, 36 shrapnel rounds in his ribs, inside, but he's gonna live. He's okay, he's bloody, but you just know. And I see Zhao, he's on his back, all these wounds, he's dead. Before I can touch him, my eyes are drawn up and I see his face in heaven. I've seen lots of dead people in our work, right next to me. I've never seen someone in heaven. And he smiled this huge smile, which he always did, and then turned his head and laughed. And I was like, oh my gosh. I had no idea heaven was like that. Wow, God, I saw him in heaven. And the feeling was not a comfort, it was a reality, that heaven's real and he's there. And he's more than happy, he's completely fulfilled and accelerating. And as he looked at us, if I could analyze it thinking back, he did not look at us with pity or sorrow. He looked at us like, 
It's okay. You're part of God's will on earth as it is in heaven. The world and life is fatal, but it is not final. It's okay. Keep going. I'm up here. And, and I was like, wow, God, I saw that. You let me see that. Thank you. Now, you said we could ask for anything. Please send him back. So we pick him up. We take him to the hospital, which is now, we've been pushed back 30 kilometers daily in battle, just being shoved back. The hospital is only two miles away. We go in there. People are shot all over the place. The doctors have their hands literally full all day, all night. And we're working closely with them. And they all know Zal. He comes in with all these holes through him. We put him on the operating table. They start putting electric shocks, airbag. We're doing CPR, adrenaline, everything you do in a modern hospital. They had there, except, you know, bullet holes, everything. So we're working on him. And he's nothing, flatline, flatline the whole time. After an hour and a half of working on him, Dr. Hussein reaches over and touches my arm, and he says, is it enough? And I said, yeah, you knew he was dead when we brought him in, right? And Hussein said, yeah, we knew he was dead before he got here. But he is like our son. He came from Burma and died for us. We would work on him like he was our son, and he's like your son, and we love you. So we were going to keep working until you said it was enough. We all started to cry. And after that, you know, people were praying first from Houston. It was interesting. They said, he, his death will not be in vain. From those dry bones will come an, a new life. I'm not sure what that meant. The advance will stop there. Okay. I don't know what that means, but I know this. Where Zhao died, you can go back there right now. You can come with me to Syria. We're going to October, November, God willing. Where he died is now the no man's land, but the offensive stopped that day. Now, they shell and shoot every day. You can't walk around there but the offensive stopped. It's kind of strange. It stopped cold right where he was killed from November the 3rd to this day. And I pray it stop, keeps stopping. The, again, they're still shooting, but they have, they're not coming forward. And the Americans are there, not at the front, but the Americans are going to the oil fields about 20 kilometers south. So they're still kind of around. And we're in the middle. So after that, I thought, wow, God. And there was a big funeral service. And all these women are crying for Zal. And they're crying and crying and over his casket, and I was crying. We're all crying because he's a brother. And I really felt, wow, all these people crying, they cut my sorrow in half. And there's this saying, a sorrow shared is divided, a joy shared is multiplied. And that's true. And I think that's one of the jobs of the church. We cry together. You don't have to fake cry. You mourn together. You'll know when to cry. You, it won't, you'll be able to stop it. <laughs> but you cry together, and it cut my sorrow in half that these women who are Kurdish, can't speak any English, don't know where even Burma is, are crying for this man and saying, that's my son who died. And we shared that. The, the battle went on, even though the, the front the, the, is static, they're still shooting, there's still casualties. Every morning, a feeling came up in my heart of anger. And there's a fine line between anger and hate and bitterness. I don't know where that line crosses, but I began to feel I'm becoming more than just angry, becoming bitter. At who? Well, the Turks, who killed my best friend, and the Americans, who allowed it to happen and deceitfully betrayed these people. We didn't, why do, oh my gosh, why do we do that? We got nothing. <laughs> I was just like, even if you got something, it's just sinful. And I had this feeling rise up in me. And I remember thinking, I know this feeling. I felt it before. In the Battle of Mosul, when ISIS killed this little kid next to me, I thought, that's it, justice. I'm gonna get, go get ISIS. What God showed me is, 
Justice is revenge unless it's love. So when someone's hurt you, you're really hurt. The only way you're gonna get justice, the only way you can keep yourself clean is to say, Lord, give me love for that person. What's the best punishment for that person that helps them change? Now, whether they change or not is up to them. What's the best? That's love. And whether they accept that love or not, and that's really their only hope, you can stop people with a bullet, and you might have to sometimes, but you will not change their heart with a bullet. No way. You can't change my heart. I can't change your heart by force. No way. Only Jesus' love. So when you have someone who's hurt you and you say, Lord, forgive me, I give up revenge. I have the right to revenge, but I give it up because that's yours. But God has told us justice is in our hands. Revenge is in his hands. We have to keep that difference, and the difference is love. And sometimes you can't love. I can't. I, I want to say about y'all, I can't. I've been hurt bad enough. That little three-year-old's dead. I cannot love, but I can do this. Jesus, I give up revenge. Jesus, forgive me. Help me. And he supernaturally healed me. That's who we serve. That's who we come to worship every Sunday and every day. The supernatural Jesus who helps us do what we cannot do. There's no way I can love that guy. You're right. You don't have to. You just have to obey Jesus and watch what he does. He's not a philosophy out here somewhere. He's a supernatural being who died on the cross to be with us and save us from our sins and save us every day. And I know it's true because he did it to me. I couldn't believe it. It's like surgery. Well, now I'm in Syria. Same thing. I'm really mad. I'm mad at our president. He's not the only one. There's a bunch of generals. He said nothing. There's a whole bunch of advisors. But when you're in, when you're in charge, like you are here, you're in charge of whatever final decision is. You own it. That's where my anger went. He's not to blame for the death, but he allowed it to happen. He set in motion, allowed the things to happen. So it's welling up in me. And I keep saying, Jesus, I don't want to feel that. Forgive me. Give me love for him. Forgive me. I kept saying it. Fox News shows up about 10 days after Zal's dead. It's kind of, it's shooting every day, but the defensive has stopped. So that's when the journalists start to come. When it's like, okay, they won't overrun us. And they put the camera, the phone in my, microphone in my mouth. What happened? And I said, well, we betrayed these people. That's what happened. And it's horrible. And I was wearing the same shirt. I had blood all over it. I said, this is the blood of my friends who, who, who I picked up. Not my Burmese friend. These are Kurds. And then I said to the camera, we made a big mistake. America is not God and we're not the devil. And we make mistakes. All humans do. And every mistake God can bring good from. That's the, that's the, that's the math of God. But you got to confess it. And then, so I said, America, we should say we're sorry and then ask God how to fix it and we can fix it. I have no doubt because who God is. And then I felt God say, you tell President Trump you love him. Now, I'm not making a political speech today. I'm just talking about losing my best friend. And I don't care who it was. It could have been my dad. I'd be mad. And I was like, I tell President Trump I love him. Is that true? He said, you decide. I'm going to help you. So then I looked at the camera, and I mean it. And if you ever, I've ever met him, I'll say it, and it'll be true. President Trump, sir, I love you. I love you. I'm behind you all the way. Let's admit what we've done that's wrong. It's we. What we've done that's wrong, let's fix it. Let's fix it. God gave me that. My bitterness is gone. I still cry for Zal. I still get angry when people try to defend the, the pullout. <laughs> okay, that's just me inside. And I know what I'll do. I'm not going to run, like with God's help. I better put that one in there. Peter thought he wasn't going to run either, and he did. So I'll, I'll, no confidence in me, but full confidence in Jesus. And he is the one that supernaturally heals us. He's the one 
that can help us stand. He is the one that can guide us, and he's the one that can unite our country. And the goal really isn't unite the country. The goal is be united with Jesus. Because if we're united with Jesus, we're going to have unity around us. Some people aren't going to choose it. You just pray. So this is my message for today. And I have a song I want to close with that Saheli wrote. Zhao Sang, this wild man, cameraman, super athlete, he would always, as she's going to tell you, um, kind of make fun of me when I wasn't around. Sometimes when I was around. Great idea, sir. Oh, wow. You know, and um, he was a very fit, athletic guy, better than me than every, at everything. And then he got married and he disappeared from our missions, which usually involve a lot of walking, for a little over a year. And he had a new child born. And then he came and rejoined us. When he came and rejoined us, he'd put on like 30 pounds of fat. <laughs> and it was like, I said, Zal, man, you're fat. Hey, sir. And so I'd start introducing him. We're very close. And this is Ilya, our medic. And this is Monkey, our pastor. And this is Fat Man. And he'd go, no, I am handsome hero, awesome Fat Man. <laughs> and from then on, he'd walk around introducing himself as awesome hero, Fat Man. And, but he died. He died in Syria. And he went to heaven. I thank God I saw that. You know, we, we know that. We think we know it. We believe it because we're following Jesus. I, I got to see it. And so on this earth, there's going to be sorrows, and that's okay. I don't think you can love and not have sorrow. They're just this mysterious, Jesus wept. I don't think we're going to get rid of sorrow until we get to heaven. That means it's okay. We don't want sin. We don't want shame. We don't want hate. We want love. And so Sahelia will explain the song a little bit, and I'll come up and close. Thank you all for letting me share. I, I don't like to sing this song for a lot of people because it's difficult when you really, when you know someone that's really personal to you and you write something for them because they're gone and it always makes me cry after I sing it, even though it's been almost a year. And this song was written for him. There, the lines in the song, the lyrics are mostly direct quotes from him during devotion times. He would always ask us if we were saying a question, do you have the heart? Do you have the heart of Jesus? And then if someone misplaced something or couldn't find their keys, he'd say, do you have eyes? Do you have the eye? He would always say to my dad or anyone who was telling him to do something, yes, sir, you are my in charge. <laughs> and he was a really funny man. His daughter, Seinling Ein, was, had her birthday the day he was killed, turned one years old, and he leaves behind a beautiful wife named Lunu in Kachin State. Please keep her in your prayers. The last two lyrics of the song are Sora'ai and Jejugabasai. Those are Kachin, that's Kachin language, and it means I love you and thank you. And I'll do my gosh darndest to sing this well. Say that's not 
charge gave me my ears and heart to love those as he loved me. He shadowed the stories shared around the world, the hurt, the suffering caused by greed. Imitating Jackie Chan in the Syrian sand, or riding shotgun in an old Humvee. He'd say that's not my plan. I'm the handsome, awesome, amazing hero. scream a little louder asking God why 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 did you take someone I love so dearly from my life when I feel it should have been me someone so undeserving questions left unanswered I find it hard to justify why he's gone why is he Thank you all for being part of our family and praying for us and praying for our country. And whenever I talk about people, I want to pray for them. I'm just a little person myself. And so I want to pray for the leadership of our country, Republican, Democrat, every level from from church all the way up, because we all need it. As my dad told me once when someone on my team made a big mistake, he said, Dave, we're just people. We're just people. Only Jesus can stand the scrutiny. So we encourage each other and point to him and don't give up on each other. So Lord, thank you that you can stand the scrutiny. Thank you that you help us all and you love us all. Help us to forgive each other, bless our country from the president all the way down, each one of us. 
It's not really down. It's just like a wire diagram. But it's all the directions that you made it. And ask that you forgive us our sins. Help the Kurds. And as you know, they're not angels either. Well, none of us are. We're just little humans. So thank you you came and sent your son to die for all of us. And thank you that you're with us and as you lead us on today. And thank you for blessing our country and the world. In Jesus' name, amen.